All right. So, yeah, we are going to be talking about these I am statements. I'm going to begin today. We're going to be reading from John's Gospel, chapter 6. It's a fairly long passage that I'm going to be reading, verses 45 through 69. And I want to give a little context even to what has happened right before this passage. Right before this, Jesus has done what's called the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, right? He's, he's gathered 5,000 people with a few loaves of bread, a couple of fish, and fed 5,000 people. And as soon as that was over, it says he departed. He, he traveled across the lake, went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and people followed him. And, and a lot of people were asking questions about what Jesus had talked about after that. And there was even some grumbling among each other about what he had said and what it might mean. So I'm going to start with that, with this grumbling that's happening after the feeding of the 5,000. This is John 6, starting in verse 43. Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one who has seen the Father, no, no one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. But on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time... Many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you, Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Well, it won't come as a surprise to, uh, to anybody who really knows that I used to be an engineer. 
to hear that I love looking at data, I love looking at statistics, looking at lists, things like that. And recently, I came across some information that actually came from the CDC that I thought was kind of eye-opening. So according to them, according to the CDC, in the United States, the top three causes of death in recent years, in order, causes of death, are heart disease, cancer, and stroke. Heart disease, cancer, and stroke. Now, that might not come as a surprise to you. I think we all know that these are, are deadly, right? But what I thought was really actually interesting was when you actually kind of dig a layer deeper into the statistics than just the cause of death, because the top reasons, the top reasons that people die from heart disease, cancer, and stroke are actually tobacco use, poor diet, physical inactivity, and alcohol consumption. So when you look at that, right, what it says is that the top three causes of death in the United States all result primarily from behaviors that are chosen by the individual. Right? Now, genetics and, and conditions that are outside our control, they're definitely on the list, but they're further down on the list of reasons that people die from these things. Right? But the top reasons, the leading reasons that people die from heart disease, cancer, and stroke are within a person's ability to change. Right? But even so, even with this knowledge, many people, if not most people, will actually choose not to make the changes to their lifestyle that will save their lives. They either choose not to believe the life-saving information that's shared with them, or, or they're willing to take the risk and see if it applies to me, see what happens later on. Well, you know, if you've been doing the, the daily scripture readings that we include in, in the bulletin there, if you've been doing those, uh, it, we, we have those this season in support of our 40 Days with Jesus Lenten Sermon Series, and you'll see that when I've written those, I, I try to include readings from each of the four Gospels, okay, from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I do that to try to give you some idea of how these Gospels compare, right, and, and their versions of telling the story about Jesus. And when you do that, when you read all four Gospels, you very quickly come to realize that the Gospel of John is very different. It's unique in how it tells the story of Jesus. It includes accounts of miracles of Jesus that aren't in the other Gospels. It tells some stories that are in the other Gospels, but in a different order in terms of when in Jesus' ministry they happened. And, and in some of those cases, it gives a much, much longer account of some story about Jesus than you find in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. John's account of the Last Supper for example, takes five chapters. There are five chapters in John's gospel about the Last Supper, whereas in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that story only takes between 12 and 32 verses within one chapter. So it's a very different gospel. But one of the other things, when you read it, that makes John unique among the gospels is the way Jesus talks about himself. It's very different. And, and as he does that, he gives a completely straightforward pronouncement of the fact that he is presenting every single person with an individual choice regarding how they're going to respond to him. 
And we can see this very clearly even in today's scripture reading, okay? The scripture I started with, Jesus has just performed this miracle, feeding 5,000 people with five barley loaves and two fish. And the people who've witnessed it, they've, come, they've actually chased him down. They chased after him. They're going, oh, man, that was just so cool. Do that again. Do it again. I mean, it reminds us of the stories of the Israelites long ago, right? Wandering in the wilderness and the manna came down from heaven. That was so cool. Since you've shown us that you're capable of doing this, just do it all the time, right? I mean, give us bread all the time. And Jesus responds to them like this. He says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. And so, so throughout John's gospel, throughout this gospel, people are presented with this kind of a cut and dried choice. Okay, they really are. Believe in Jesus or don't believe in Jesus. Eat my flesh, don't eat my flesh, it's up to you. Live or die. There's no middle ground. And so, and so when we read these kind of words, we're probably not too surprised. We shouldn't be, I don't think, too surprised to then read about the reaction of the people who are listening to Jesus. John writes that on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Now, here's the thing, right? I think this is. I mean, this is a hard teaching. And I don't just mean the part about eating Jesus' flesh and drinking his blood, which I'm sure a lot of people heard literally and just kind of freaked out over. I'm sure that was part of it, but it's also hard, the part about how if you don't do this, if you don't partake of the bread of life who is Jesus, he says, you have no life in you. That's hard to hear. Jesus knows it's a hard teaching. He knows. Listen to how he responded to them. Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? The words I've spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. See, people were chasing after Jesus, right? They wanted him to do another miracle, do another miracle, like the one with the bread, so we never have to be hungry again. And Jesus, instead, he challenged them to a deeper level of faith, to turn to him as the real source of life, a life beyond mere physical sustenance, to eternal life nourished by him, the bread of life. It was a challenge. And you know what the result of Jesus' challenge was? Well, John 6, verse 66 tells us, from this time, Many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Because that was a hard teaching. 
The Gospel of John puts a strong emphasis on this, on this individual response to Jesus' invitation to believe, not to believe, to follow, not to follow, to live, to die. It's either or. And that, that emphasis becomes the primary focal point from then on of another feature of John's gospel that makes it really unique. And that really is these seven I am statements that Jesus makes in the course of his teaching. Seven times, seven times, Jesus teaches something about his essential identity by starting with the words I am. And as Andy mentioned, right, those are the same words God spoke when Moses asked God 1,500 years earlier to tell him what his name was. And God answered Moses, I am who I am. So each time Jesus says, I am, his words that follow that kind of emphasize the ramifications of this yes or no decision, this believe or don't believe decision that people are faced with concerning him. And we already saw the first one of those. We already saw the, the first one of those is, I am the bread of life, Jesus says. And we saw Jesus say that unless you eat this bread, you have no life. But just two chapters later, we see the second. We see Jesus saying this. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be, you will indeed die in your sins. There it is again. Choose to follow me, Jesus says. Choose to follow me and you will live in the light of life. Choose not to, he says, and you will die in darkness. Believe in me and live. Don't believe in me and die. A little later in chapter 10, Jesus puts it this way. He says, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. See, the choice is there again, right? It's there again. Come to God through the gate, through Jesus, and be saved. But trying to come to God through others, Jesus kind of equates to being stolen by a thief. A thief who's going to end up destroying you. And in the very next verse, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, the hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. And the man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus is the only one who's willing to die to save his sheep. 
Anyone else you might choose to follow, Jesus says, when the going gets tough, is going to run away, abandoning you to be attacked and devoured by wolves. In chapter 11, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. It's through belief in Jesus that death is transformed into life. And it just gets more direct, right? Chapter 14, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And how much more straightforward can it be? It's no coincidence that as we near the end of this list of I am statements, Jesus does. His, his death is coming, and he gets more and more direct about the choice that he's laying before us. No one comes to the Father except through me, he says. Jesus is the way. And finally, finally, in chapter 15, Jesus says this, the last I am statement. I am the vine. You are the branches. If anyone remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Those are Jesus' words, not mine. And again, it's the choice, right? The choice is clear. Jesus is saying, remain in me, Jesus says. Remain in Jesus and thrive, bearing abundant fruit, or separate from Jesus and wither and die. So, you know, I, I counted it up. Right now, we're 28 days. We're 28 days into the season of Lent, the 40 days. 28 days into our 40 days where we said at the beginning, we're going to choose to spend time with Jesus, right, with intentionality, to allow ourselves to be formed by Jesus' words, by his teaching, by his presence. And next week, already, next week is Palm Sunday, it's a wonderful day. It's such an awesome day, right? We remember the day the crowds, they all flock to Jesus. They're waving palm branches, welcoming Jesus into Jerusalem. A great celebration. And John's gospel is unique in the way he tells this story again. He lets us know that a lot of the people who were there that day, waving branches on Palm Sunday, they were there out of curiosity. Because they were there, they were so excited to greet this guy who they had just heard had performed the amazing miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead. Wow, right? I mean, are you kidding? Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't welcome a guy who was so powerful that he could raise a dead person back to life? Everybody, everybody wanted to see this guy. They all came out. And John tells us that because of what Jesus had done for Lazarus, many of these people who were just curious about him, they actually came to truly believe in Jesus. But others, John tells us, emphatically did not, did not. He writes, so the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus 
as well. They were already planning to kill Jesus. So then he plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, on account of Lazarus, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. Many even among the leaders believed in him. But you know, within this, these massive crowds who welcomed Jesus to Jerusalem after he raised Lazarus from the dead, far more of them made the tragic mistake of not advancing beyond curiosity and excitement over Jesus' miracles and signs and teaching to an authentic faith in him, to a commitment to eating his bread and following his light in the language he had used. John, the writer, he sees the great tragedy of this failure and he tells us exactly why they were unable to take that step. He writes, because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved praise from men more than praise from God. And we have to see this, right? The synagogue, the synagogue was so important. It was the center the center of public life. It was the place where all the power brokers were. It's the place where the people who could make you or break you were. It's the place you went to to be acknowledged as a good, upstanding Jew, to network, right, with other upstanding Jews, people who would help make sure that your family would be cared for in difficult times. It was a place that it would be dishonorable beyond our comprehension, beyond our imagination, to be cast out of that and told, you can never return here. The stigma of being cast out of the synagogue would have been almost unbearable. Well, it's no wonder. It's no wonder they were afraid of being put out of it. But throughout John's gospel, Jesus wants us to know that the price of rejecting him in favor of holding on to the admiration of our society and our peers, our community leaders, that price is steep. Then Jesus cried out, when a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Now, as for the person who hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world but to save it. There is a judge... There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke will condemn him at the last day. For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Was we, need to, we need to really hear this and internalize this. 
what Jesus says, what God, the Father, right, the creator of all that is, was, and will be, says. Rejection of Jesus equals rejection of the one true God. Jesus' words telling us exactly who he is and the ramifications of believing him or not believing him are the standard by which we'll be judged. And Jesus wants to know, right, when we reject those words, when we, when we reject what Jesus says, when we reject Jesus, Jesus doesn't judge. We determine our own verdict. We write our own sentence. Jesus didn't come to point a finger at our sins and condemn us. He came to show us that there is a way out of our sins, to show us the way to life, to invite us to make the choice to choose to participate in that life by believing in him and obeying his teachings. It's an invitation out of our sins and into life. That's why John begins to bring his gospel to a close by saying, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Folks, John, John's speaking to us as our spiritual doctor. Each and every one of us has a life or death choice to make. John says he's written his gospel so that you will believe in Jesus and have life in his name. And I'm preaching his gospel to encourage you basically to listen to your doctor. Make the lifestyle change that leads to eternal life. Believe in Jesus. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.